Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity. HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Well, happy Friday, St. Louis. It's Hancock and Kelly in for our regular gig. And, uh, Mr. Hancock, you have a sour scowl on your face. Aggravated. So uh, Very I, aggravated. This has been going on for almost 45 minutes since you've arrived at the station. What happened on the roads that has you so angry? Well, I got up this morning. I'm on the right side of the bed when I got up this morning. Really? Of course, I had to roll over George Ann. I always seem to sleep uh, on the left. But know. I... Uh, I got up on the right side. I was good. Had the coffee made the night before. Oh, how about that? Hit the button. Down it comes the coffee, you know. Having it tasted very good. Uh-huh. I had a little slight slice of cheesecake this morning. Really? Yeah. Well, so nothing good. like setting the day off on the right oh, foot little, there, pal. A little strawberry, a little blueberry, a little uh-huh. uh, graham cracker crust yeah. on the uh, cheesecake. Okay. And uh, I got in my car at 7.01 on my way to get here at my usual 7.25 to prepare to put together an excellent show for all of you out there that we uh, strive so right, assiduously right. to uh, provide for you. Just used a word I'd never heard of. Uh, I, I think I used it incorrectly, but I digress. So I get on uh, good old Highway 40 there, Michael, heading west. Yeah. East. From where? Chesterfield? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I get my east and west confused sometimes. But you get your left and right confused. I do. Yeah. Uh, so, and then you get a, I see the traffic is slowing down. I get to 270, uh, and the traffic is slowing down. I roll up on ballast, and we are stopped. Something bad has happened. So I flip on KMOX to hear Captain Roger Brand. Well, apparently... He had just given the traffic report, so I got to wait ten minutes. Right. Well, it's every ten minutes, so it wasn't I, long. I appreciate that. Yeah. And he had just given the traffic report, so I had no idea what was in front of me there. And what all was I it? knew is that the tra- it was an accident. Okay. All I knew is that the traffic was stopped, and I was getting later and later and later, and I'm thinking this could be bad. Yeah. So then I thought, Ugh, I, I've never been this late getting to KMOX before. Uh, except for the one time I overslept and got here two minutes. But anyway, I digress. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, so I decide to myself, I say to myself, I said, okay, Hancock. Yeah. Uh, just get over and get off on ballast there. Okay. A very good idea. All right. So I turn the old right blinker on. Uh-huh. And these idiots, these people... Would, they're not going anywhere, Michael. They the traffic is stuck. They weren't they going on ballast. They, they weren't getting on ballast. They just blocking. They you were from, blocking me from mm-hmm. getting over into the right lane so I can get over onto the exit lane and get off on ballast. And they're going. And I've got the blinker on. And let me, uh, folks, show a little kindness out there. Show a little humanity. The humanity to let your brother over when your brother needs to get the KMOX. At 7.30 to prepare a show for the many dozens of people that are listening to us right now. Yeah, but what about what about your brother who probably was in another car who's got to get downtown to work at the law firm or maybe work at uh, Ameren who's, uh, you know, also wanting to go quickly? I mean, g- g- buddy, how long has it been people. since you sat in traffic? You I just got to take deep breaths and listen to the radio. I let Forget about two it. people in to my center lane from the left lane out of courteousness. Uh-huh. But no, this white Toyota Corolla, and you know who you are. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a I gap there. There, came a there was a gap there, and I had yeah. the blinker on. I Mind started to get over, and he speeds up this white Toyota Corolla oh. and gets right on the bumper of the car. They're not going anywhere. Okay, they're not going anywhere, Mike. And then, so- and then, I finally make it to the parking garage here at the Voice of St. Louis. Yeah, 
and I pull in, and I don't know what's going on. There's no parking spots out there. It's really? never like this. It's a Friday in July. Uh-huh. There's no parking There's spots. There's no school at St. Louis U. There's nothing going on, yeah. except apparently something's going on because there were no parking spots. None. Not right. even on the lower thing. Yeah. So I'm driving and driving. And here's the other thing. Okay. Who creates these parking spaces where you've got to drive a, a, a can of soup in order to fit into it? I mean, if you've got a car of any kind of substantial girth, you know, it's very hard to get in these parking spots over here. Really? Have you noticed that? No, buddy. I've never. Listen, I've known you for almost 20 years of my life. Yeah. I've Aggravate. seen people publicly assault you uh, yeah. verbally. Yeah. I've seen you uh, wrongfully accused of things. <laughs> yeah. I've seen you uh, in some of your most vulnerable moments. I have never seen you behave like this, and it's over traffic. How long? Wait, first of all, wh- something else happened. That's number one. And number two, how long is this going to stick with you before you shake it off and we, you know, go about our days in the merry, uh, cheery way that we do at the Hancock and Kelly show? I'm Uh, over it. Really? I'm over the rude drivers. I'm over the people that can't drive. Uh, I wish everybody drove as well as I did. Yeah. Uh, Uh, If everybody drove as well as you did, we all wouldn't be able to afford insurance rates because they'd be through the roof. Hey, he's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. Trusted information, live and local. From the award-winning KMOX Newsroom. Hello and welcome back to the Hancock and Kelly Show. We're here with you every Friday from 8.30 to 11 o'clock. Yes, when, we are. Uh, We're going to go up to 10 o'clock. Then we're going to scamper into my automobile. Yeah. We're going to hustle over to Ballpark Village. Yeah, we are. Where we're going to join the shift disturbers, Amy mm. and uh, Chris. Runs. Who are hosting a, um, a show over at Ballpark Village, and uh, Hancock and Kelly will be there in person. Is that right? Yeah. Is that what we're going to do? So, but if you can't make it down to no, Ballpark no. Village, no. you can turn us on 8.30 on Sunday mornings on Fox 2 because we do Hancock and Kelly, the television show. That's right. I'm in a much better mood now, Michael. So. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. And we're going to talk about a topic that I'm sure you're going to be pleased to visit oh, about, yeah. and that's uh, yes, 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 Democrat yes. on Democrat crime taking place in the city of St. Louis. Yes. Politics broke yesterday. Mark Maxwell... The political reporter, or whatever his title is over there, is a political reporter or editor over at KSDK, uh, wound up unleashing uh, a bunch of text messages uh, of the mayor that were sunshine. Now, the mayor of the city of St. Louis was on this radio station right here leading up to the uh, removal of Kim Gardner or the resignation of Kim Gardner. People were asking questions, and she said jokingly, don't sunshine my text messages. Well, yeah. an enterprising reporter at the post uh, at the Business Journal, uh, Jacob Kern, wound up going forward and sunshining them. And how Mark Maxwell got a hold of them, I don't know, John. But uh, before we hop into some of the substance, yes, do you believe this is newsworthy? Because uh, I think we heard an opinion from some, many folks who are saying, "Well, is it really newsworthy that the mayor is texting with her dad and her political advisor and saying this stuff?" Well, it's yes, it's newsworthy. Is, is it a huge, big deal? Uh, you know, probably not. I mean, there's no uh, evidence of malfeasance, at least in the stuff that I've read. Um, but, you know, I do think it's instructive. It, it definitely shines a light, opens a, a window into the mayor's thinking and personality, to be certain. Uh, and, you know, that's I think that the public uh, ought to have an interest in that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the mayor has often said uh, she's, of course, the daughter of Vervis Jones, the former comptroller here in the city of St. Louis. Vervis has had some issues. In fact, Vervis had co-hosted with me once 
uh, when you were out of town. Is that uh, right? When you were in Columbus, we spent a week, uh, a, a day together. Huh. So I know both Vervis and um, uh, Tashara quite well, or used to. Uh, and Vervis uh, has often been said to be the person behind the scenes for the mayor. She has said, hey, I don't control my dad's tweets. Well, that kind of got changed when we saw the text messages that came out where she was instructing her father on what to tweet. Yeah, uh, that was interesting. And I haven't had, I just haven't had enough time to go through all of all of them. But uh, it was interesting. And, I mean, it's clear to me that her father is very intimately involved in the mayor, you know, the mayor's uh, regime there at City Hall. Yeah, you have to wonder what public officials are thinking these days when you're using a government phone. Uh, you know, you're open to sunshine law. And, you know, as a mayor or a state senator or, for that matter, a congressman or whatever, your job is what you said earlier. It's to win friends and influence people. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we all have casual conversation with each other. Um, and there probably is an appropriate place for that. But as a public official, it's kind of fair game that you, using a, a government uh, device to be able to do this, it's going to come out. She was wound up attacking the governor of the state of Missouri. She right. attacked uh, Jane Duker, occasional <laughs> guest here right. on KMOX, right. maybe earned, maybe not. Uh, she attacked a lot of her allies at the Board of Aldermen. That's, that stood out to me. And Schweitzer, uh, Shane Cohen, Tom Oldenburg. She went after uh, uh, Alderman Vollmer. She then also went after others in the St. Louis area uh, and made some really horrible statements, which, you know, I'm sure any of us could have in our text messages with each other. But guess what? We're not the mayor. Yeah, and I, I try for as much as I can to never speak ill of another person. Uh, Except that guy in the Corolla. Uh, well, that guy in the white Corolla this morning. I mean, and you know who you are. Uh, but, yeah, uh, but I try to uh, to not do that. But, man, this was a... This was an F-bomb-laden uh, bunch well, was, of text messages. Yeah, it was quite a deal, and we move on. The other, now, the most succulent piece of news that came out of that it was Dave Stewart, the uh, founder of Worldwide, Worldwide Technologies, Technologies, was pushing Gabe Gore, saying that this would. he obviously had the uh, ear of the governor in this process. He was informing the mayor. The mayor said this would be a good choice. Uh, I thought that was interesting that Dave Stewart has that kind of influence. Yeah, and here's, here's the one that I thought. Um, because this is the mayor herself. She says, and it's, I think we'll be reading about this again in the future, quote, Chicago has strict gun laws as well, but that doesn't deter gun violence. It's about investing in the people. Well, there you go. I mean, she's made uh, attacking Jefferson City and guns, rightfully so, a, uh, a platform in her Rain is the mayor of the city of St. Louis. She's pointed to Jefferson City being the problem as it relates to guns. She's right, except that she contradicts herself in private. Uh, and I have a feeling that when Bill Eigel and Bob Onder and that circus gets to town down in Jefferson City, they're going to have a heyday using the mayor of the city of St. Louis's own words against her. Well, that quote in particular, because that's basically the Republican position when it comes to gun control, is that the gun control laws don't really thwart the illegal activity with guns and the mayor certainly seems to agree with that statement all right we're going to switch topics but i just do want to say that listen having known tashara and mm -hmm. vervis my whole life this is who they are yeah i know them well mm -hmm. this is exactly who they are uh when people show you who they are believe them there you i don't go. know that it's a good thing or a bad thing i kind of appreciate uh some of her language i kind of appreciate that she's out to win the game 
Uh, but have no doubt, this is exactly who the mayor is. Uh, and she's going to be rightfully upset, John Hancock, that the governor vetoed a piece of legislation that would have banned people from being able to shoot off their guns in the middle of the air. I don't understand why people want to shoot their guns in the middle of the air. Would we a third world country? I don't understand this obsession with guns. I also don't understand why the governor would veto this common sense piece of legislation. Well, he vetoed it because it t- took a lot of people's names off the sex offender registry. And... You know, that you either sign the bill because most of it is good, uh, but you've got this one glaring problem, or you veto it and force the legislature to come back. The, the one thing that we do know is that all of those provisions that were in that bill passed both the House and the Senate. So if they did it this year, they'll be able to do it next year. But I think the governor was right. Uh, his veto wasn't about the shooting the guns in the air. It was about taking people's names off the sex offender registry. And, uh, you know, you got to make a decision on those things. It's The buck stops at the governor's office. And I think he made the right decision here. There you go. Uh, well, as we move on to Washington, D.C., yes. there's quite a bit of chaos up there as well. The people can't seem to get along with each other and in their own parties. The Freedom Caucus, John, which is kind of this MAGA... Uh, group uh, that exists inside the United States Congress uh, has a couple of very famous members, Matt Gates, uh, what's that gal's name from Colorado, Lauren, Lauren Bobert, Marjorie Taylor Green. Well, Marjorie Taylor Green and Lauren Bobert had a little uh, fight there on the floor of the United States Capitol. Some words were thrown. And guess what? Marjorie Taylor Green, probably the most famous of the three. Uh, uh, members of the Freedom Caucus, she got booted. Yeah. What's up with that? Well, it, it, there's a, a definitely a rivalry between Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene to be, uh, you know, the queen of, uh, what, what do you call them? Craziness? The well, queen the, of craziness? The, the queen of the right, I guess we'll say. Uh-huh. And they were, at that time, it's been a couple of weeks ago, they got into a spat on the floor over... Who was going to get to introduce the articles of impeachment against Joe Biden? Good Lord. And so they both had their own articles of impeachment. And I guess Lauren Boebert got hers in first and she ended up on Sean Hannity. And Marjorie Taylor Greene didn't like that because they're, you know, they're trying to fight over who's the most popular girl in the class. And uh, they so they get into this shouting match. In addition, Marjorie Taylor Greene has, uh, shall we say, cozied up to Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who's definitely not someone that the conservative caucus, uh, the Freedom Caucus, uh, cares for very much. They kind of grudgingly allowed him to become Speaker after, remember, 15 ballots. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, has got a a, kind of a special relationship there with the Speaker of the House. And uh, she was, or so the Freedom Caucus expressed, she was too helpful in getting the debt ceiling bill passed, and they were all against the debt ceiling bill, uh, and she was with Kevin McCarthy on, on getting that done. And so it was a couple of things that kind of conspired together, and apparently within that group, in that Freedom Caucus, Lauren Bobert has emerged more popular than his Marjorie Taylor Greene. Give me a break. But you, you know, know it's talk kinda, about well, that's not a high bar, winning a popularity contest between those two. Well, you know, it's really kind of sad that we know they're the names of these two who really are not serious lawmakers. Whatever you may think of their politics, right? they're not but, serious legislators. But let's get into that because these caucuses, both in the Republican side, the – what do they call them? The Democratic the, – the, on the Democratic side, the Democratic Socialists, the Progressive Movement, right. probably mm-hmm. most faced by AOC, our own Cori Bush, uh, Ilian Omar – 
Uh, I could go on. Did you and see then, Corey Bush's tweet on? Uh, we'll come for, back to uh, that. Right. Hang on. And then you've got the left uh, on the right. You've got Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, blah blah blah. These are growing constituency groups inside the United States no Congress, question. and inevitably they are meant to always tear down. And now they're tearing down each other. Yeah. Do you see that being? Where the biggest assaults are going to come on the far left or the far right or from the insides? Well, I, I do think there's a lot of jealousy that exists in these uh, groups. It, by their nature, these splinter caucuses uh, exist to garner attention. And that's, you know, clearly anytime there's a, a close call in a, in a piece of legislation, the Freedom Caucus, you know, they stand out uh, because they're able to get in and have some influence over how things are done uh, because they kind of tend to stick together. And so by their nature, they're kind of attention seekers. So there's going to be some natural jealousies that arise within those caucuses like that. I think, for example, uh, I have heard, and I don't know if you've heard these things. I've talked to members of Congress. Uh, I think Cori Bush is not exactly the the favorite of the AOC crowd uh, because they see her as somebody that's, you know, sucking a lot of attention away. Well, she's definitely an attention seeker, and she sought some attention on July 4th that got into your craw. Yeah, I mean, she tweeted out, you know, we're celebrating our nation's independence, and I I, we, I don't have the exact tweet in front of me, but it was something to the, to the effect of why are we celebrating, you know, a bunch of white racists, uh, you know, signing a document, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's not a, it's not a particularly popular viewpoint, but maybe it is in, in, among her constituents. Well, what I worry about for St. Louis is that, I mean, we've got to have a congressman who can advocate and bring home yes. opportunity to yeah, the bingo. St. Louis area. Bingo. And I got to tell you, not much is going to Marjorie Taylor's district or um, Bobert's district or Link. It's just not happening. And now as a younger member of the United States Congress, when you're out there throwing firebombs on both sides of the aisle... It's hard to win friends and influence people and bring home the bacon. And unfortunately, I think that's going to be some of the consequences we suffer here in St. Louis. Well, you look in, you know, specific to Cori Bush, we've got this massive development going on, the National Geospatial Center in her district. And I don't see where she's been involved in any of it. I don't know that we'd have that facility if not for Lacey Clay's leadership. Well, Lacey Clay, Roy Blunt, right, and, uh, right. and so many people fought to get that to St. Louis. It's supposed to be revitalizing for the region. I hope that's the case. John, when I come back uh, at the top of this uh, next hour, I have to tell you something about that building that's being built. They're doing something really cool, but in a typical St. Louis way, I can tell it's going to get screwed up. Well, there you have it. He's Michael Kelly. I'm John Hancock. The news is next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. I'm sure many of you are wondering, well, Hancock and Kelly Friday edition, isn't that the only day they're on KMOX? Pretty much. Well, that's not true. If it's the Cardinals true. are out of town on a Monday evening, that's right. You can listen to Late Night with Hancock and Kelly from eight to ten right here on KMOX. So the next time the ball team has the day off on a Monday night, tune in. You can listen to us. We try to do a lot of non-political stuff. Yeah, I think those shows. I think next Monday they're off, right? Because that's the All Star game. Although Monday is the home run derby, so we might be carrying the home run derby. I love- uh, wouldn't that be boring radio? Well, I mean, swing. It's a long one. It's swing. Run. It's a long one. Swing. There's the fifth. Yeah, but you you have you talk. You know, you got the announcers talking mm. about things. You got interviews done. There's on the Tom field. Johnson. He's from Horse Knuckle, Iowa. 
stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So let me tell you, there we were talking before we went to the break about the geospatial uh, building that's being built here in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, secured, by, as we uh, mentioned, by Roy Blunt and, and Lacey Clay. It's being built on North St. Louis. Uh, you would get off on Highway 6440 and take Jefferson mm-hmm. north up to the building about, well, maybe a half mile it's there. Right. And right now there's major construction going on, not at the only at the building, but at the, uh, what is it, egress and ingress, you know, the, essentially the roads to get to the geospatial. And what they're doing with Jefferson right now, John, is their traffic calming. So they're they're bumping in the roads a little bit on the sides. They're making the sidewalks bigger. And they've built these huge, beautiful flower beds yeah. that would be lovely. Uh, I'm sure when we first get it all together, it will have flowers in it and it will look great. Hmm. But I'm here to tell you. You get little flowers on your Wait way to- six months and it will be nothing but a weed patch. <laughs> because we're not taking care of maintaining the stuff that we're doing. So what we're doing is we're asking private groups like the soccer team or like geospatial yeah. to invest money into in roads and infrastructure. Get the, get the on We're the building these weed beds. But I'm it. telling you, as a person who lives with a lot of weed beds around me that were made to be beautified, the city just doesn't have the resources to do these things or the people to do them. Hmm. And what it should be a beautiful drive into the geospatial, mark my words, in six months will be a jungle. Well... I think you might be a little pessimistic there, Michael. Well, give me we, give me uh, fact based evidence that I shouldn't be. Well, we are the the international home of Roundup here ah, in St. Louis. Yeah, well, aren't they out of business? <laughs> uh, Roundup? Are they? I think they still make Roundup, don't they? I have no idea. Uh, but you know what? Roundup that kills the weeds out there. Oh, okay. So if you're putting the flower beds out there and you get a weed pop, boom, you hit it with some Roundup. Yeah, and I mean we got to have. Tons and tons and tons and tons of Roundup sitting around out there in Creve Corps. Yeah. I'm a Swifty. Are you a Taylor Swift fan? Uh, no. Taylor Swift is going to be in Kansas City this weekend. She's doing her concerts yeah. over there from Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah. Everybody and their brother from St. Louis is going. Guess where she's not going? St. Louis. St. Louis. So many of these great big bands are passing St. Louis by. Get used to it. Um, and it's really unfortunate because this is uh, it's something I would have liked to have gone and seen. But there is a concert in downtown St. Louis today, uh, and there was one yesterday. There's a guy named Morgan Wallen okay. who has sold out Bush Stadium two nights in a row. Hmm. Okay, so what is that? Let's say it's 45,000, 50,000 people. Yeah. Okay. I have never heard of Morgan Wallen. Morgan Wallen. I've never heard of the man. Sounds like a law firm. All of a sudden, I'm driving by the stadium the other day. I see they're putting up a stage, and I thought, who's going to play? I read that it's Morgan Wallen. Morgan Wallen. So then I go to the the phone there, and I'm starting to look for Morgan Wallen songs. I've never heard any of Morgan Wallen's songs. But he sold Bush Stadium out two nights in a row. So here's my question. Yeah. Are we old that we don't know who this guy is, that 100,000 people are going to pack themselves into downtown St. Louis to see somebody we've never heard of? 1-800-925-1120. I've never heard of Morgan Wallen. I've I never heard I of him. I couldn't tell you. James O'Sullivan, our crack uh, board engineer, never heard of Morgan Wallen. But but I figured that we could probably list the 20 or 30 bands that can sell out stadiums, right? Taylor Swift, yeah. Paul McCartney, Elton John, blah, blah, blah. We could go on. But... The fact that it's somebody I've never heard of? I mean, this guy apparently is a really big deal. So I'm asking, as a person who just turned 48, is this a sign that you're getting older? Yeah, you're old. Yeah? Um, 
you know, now you, you gotta you gotta keep young, uh, like I do. Uh huh. And you know, you gotta keep up. But you don't it. know who this guy is either. Well, he's probably not very good. Yeah. Um, well, he's country and what's western. His, what's his big What's his big hit? Um, who knows? Uh, does our caller know, James? Let's go to the Let's go to the phone. Hold on. Hold so on. on. And Hold who on. who are, with whom are are we speaking? Caller, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Oh, Jeff, you're on KMOX, and uh, do you know who this Morgan Wallflower guy is? I have no idea, but, you know, I don't understand why Mr. Kelly oh, is so upset <laughs> about the weedy flower beds. Yeah. It's all due to the Democrats okay. that he has in office down there. <laughs> the weeds. <laughs> yeah. You sure you're not a Morgan Wallen fan? You, you sound like you're into country and western be, there, pal. How can you be? <laughs> Thanks for the call. Jeff, have yourself a good I, weekend. I have a feeling Jeff knows who Morgan Wallen uh, Mar- is. Morgan Wallen. Wall, what'd you call him? Walnut? What's his Morgan name? Wallen. Yeah, yeah. He's filling he's Bush Stadium big. for two nights in a row. I've never heard of the he's guy. He's big. Yesterday, I'm reading articles about him. Everybody and their brother seems to know who this guy is. I went and tried to listen to his music. I'd never heard any of his songs. Now, it's not that I, I don't like country and western, so I'll be I'll be clear about that. But I know country and western stars. I've heard of Luke Bryan. Well, it's really not country and western Ga- anymore. Garth Brooks. You know, I know country western, but I've never heard of this guy. But, I mean, he's apparently got like eight of the top ten songs on the billboard for, you know, country stars. Well, what stars. are they? I, but, John, how do I know? Do we have any? My dog left. My girlfriend left. I mean, I'm sure it's stuff like that. Let's all drink. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Isn't that what country music turns into? Well, Come on, I'm going to play a C note. Everybody drink a beer. Cold you beer know? on a Friday night. Well, that's, that's Zach Brown. Zach, yeah. Zach Brown. I know him. Yeah. I've never heard of Morgan Wallace. Well, I don't, you don't need to feel old. You're just, yeah. uh, but you do need to keep up you know, with the times. Yeah. Well, the, I'm trying to keep up are... with the times. I wish I could keep up with the times and go over and see Taylor Swift in Kansas City. And by the way, yeah. uh, you know, we in St. Louis have looked down on Kansas City our whole lives. We've always kind of considered them to be our little brothers, yeah. right? And, yeah. I remember, uh, you know, the stories back in the day, you know, about how the legislature is dominated by St. Louis and blah, blah, blah. And St. Louis does produce most of the revenue for the entire state. But, man, have you been to Kansas City oh, yeah. lately? This yeah. place is killing it. It is killing it. it, it it's clean. The roads are paved. Yep. There's no weeds in the flower beds. There's no <laughs> trash everywhere. Well, that's because of the Democrats. They have cranes going up everywhere. Boy, things seem to be booming over in Kansas City. Yeah, they just uh, did a massive improvement of their airport there. And, uh, yeah, Kansas City has done a, a very good job. And there's a city where the mayor, Quentin Lucas, mm-hmm. um, is very popular. Yeah. He, you know, he's, I'm sure his politics are more progressive than not, you know. Sure, very But he's a guy that has managed to network very effectively with the business community. He, he gets, he has good relationships with the police over in Kansas City. Uh, his delegation in Jefferson City gets their fair share, if not more than, uh, of state largesse. They secured state funding for a flight to Europe. Right. Now, we in St. Louis have a flight to Europe. It's being paid for by our business community. Right. It's not being done by the legislature. Is that reflective on our delegation or our leadership in the region is the reason the state wouldn't step up and help out St. Louis and I, will only help out Kansas City? I do not know the answer to that question. But it, it is interesting that a, a strong mayor you know, can be a true asset to a region and and really network and get things done. And we've had some great mayors in this town over the years. And I, you know, for my part, I hope Tashara Jones can 
can rise to that level well, and, I, and become effective for the region. Uh, but you know, I'd like to I'd like to see the the whole police policing situation addressed. Uh, first, and I think that would be a, well, a major step in the right direction. Uh, the mayor's rhetoric is spot on. Uh, she wants to grow the city. She wants to solve a lot of issues which have historically been neglected. Um, she is pointing out a lot of the flaws that are coming out of Jefferson City, but it's being done, and you know, but there's no proof in the pudding, right? Where we're, you know, Kara Spencer introduces a bill to outlaw, you know, open carry in downtown St. Louis, and, and the mayor is opposed to it because of some other ridiculous reason, also saying that it's likely not going to get enforced. Probably a very valid point, but is that a reason to stop us from doing it? How can we sit and throw stones at the people in Jefferson City uh, for their uh, incompetence when we're not even being able to deliver on the things that we are legally allowed to do? You know, I think it would make an interesting topic someday. <clears throat> to to talk about the wisdom or folly, uh, depending on your viewpoint, of allowing local governments to kind of have their own gun laws. Uh, because I think there are probably good arguments on both sides of that. And that's the kind of debate, I think, that folks that, you know, wherever you may fall on the Second Amendment— um, you know, I, th- I just think that would be an interesting debate. I, I agree with you, but the problem, John, is when it comes to the Second Amendment, there doesn't seem to be any common sense conversation. We've watched babies be mowed down. We see AR-15s being legalized. We see guns being legalized to the nth degree. If you're really going to truly find compromise, you're going to have to move people from this absolutism as it relates to the Second Amendment that anything that can ever explode is something you can use to protect your own home. How do you have a rational conversation with people who will never buckle on that Well, because, because I think there are a lot of areas to address. You know, I understand the concern about banning, banning a class of weapons. I understand that folks are concerned about that, and I think they have very legitimate reasons to feel that way. But that doesn't mean that we can't talk about the gun violence issue. Uh, in other, so if you just say we're not going to ban a class of weapons over here, and uh, and we're not going to you know go confiscating people's guns, are there some steps we could take? And I think the answer to that is probably yes. Right. He's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. We're going to step aside when we come back. Uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine is pushing to get inside of NATO. He's getting frustrated. He's going wants to know what it's going to take to join. Uh, meanwhile, the president of the United States wants to give him a banned weapon. We'll talk about it after this on Camo X. Now back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity HR that makes a difference on News Radio eleven twenty Camo X. Like I said, liquor talk. That's uh, that's our friend Morgan Wallingford. Last night, we let the liquor talk. That's a good opening line to a song, isn't it? What's his name? Morgan Wallen. Yeah. You're not going to be one of the 50,000 people sitting there watching him, huh? I will not, but I wonder if he has to put the microphone under his nose when he sings. Well, uh, if you want to get like this. You got to go to the Bob Dylan School of Singing. (laughs) That's it. I mean, 
how you if, doing? If, if Bob Dylan was a country artist, he would sound like uh, Megan Wallen. Morgan name is. Wallen. Well, yeah. I know we're like making a lot of people mad because obviously if 100,000 people are going to see this guy, everybody else in the world knows him, and it's just us two old white fogies who have no clue. Well, James O'Sullivan's in the same boat with us. Yeah. So that's a good cross-section of America right there. But you said he's <laughs> there's no such thing as country and western anymore. No, it's there's just, no western. So the western, you think of Bob Wills and the, and the Texas. Uh, I've never heard of Bob well, Wills. Well, that's going back. Yeah, he's like Morgan Wallen. But the western music was a was its own kind of distinct sound, and then they called it country western for a while. And country music really isn't country music in the classic sense anymore. It's uh, you know it's a lot more rockabilly esque today. Boy, you've got uh, some big words today, rockabilly. Yeah, what the heck does well, that mean? Like uh, Morgan, uh, what was the name of the band? Uh, Morgan Tucker. Uh, Tucker. Uh, Morgan Wallen. No, that's that's this guy. Is Mason Tucker? Mason. Uh, oh boy, it was a Tucker. Marshall Tucker. Marshall the Tucker Marshall band. Tucker band. Now I've heard of them, yeah. but I don't think he could sell out uh, Bush Stadium. Uh, well, not anymore. I don't think he could have in his prime. Oh, when when, when who did I just say it was? Marshall. Marshall Tucker. Tucker. When they yeah. were when they were big, they were big, buddy. And now you got uh, Morgan uh, Wallen. Yeah. All right. Hey, John, uh, President Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, uh, is uh, suggesting that he would like to see uh, we're having a NATO conference here next week. The yeah. president of the United States will be going to it. All the NATO partners will be there. It's going to be in Estonia. In Estonia. They're going to be having a conversation about Ukraine, obviously. But he's saying we need honesty in our ties with NATO. Uh, he's pushing and saying, look, we, we've been wanting to join NATO. You all say that we are an important partner of yours. Right. We want to be able to join. We want specifics in how we can become a member of NATO. Yeah, and it, so the NATO partners uh, way back in 2008 uh, voted to provide a pathway to membership for Ukraine. So that was 15 years ago. And uh, but the the U.S., the U.K., and Germany, who are kind of the big dogs in in the NATO alliance, are kind of reluctant to grant membership to Ukraine. And now they're in the midst of this war with Russia. And, uh, you know, I think what you're going to see at this NATO summit, my guess, is that they're going to commit to supporting Ukraine and helping to protect and arm Ukraine, which they've been doing but not to uh, open up membership at this point in time uh, to Ukraine. And th that Russia sees Russia sees Ukrainian membership in NATO as a direct threat to its border. Now I don't think it is, but Russia sees it that way. And so diplomatically this is it's a it's a tricky little maneuver and you know in the middle of a war is probably not the right time to to bring Ukraine into NATO. Now Finland and Sweden Entering Ukraine, and the jury's still out on Sweden, but they're, um, you know, that would be tremendously beneficial to the alliance, I think. No doubt about it. President Biden's administration has decided to provide cluster ammunitions to the Ukraine, and it is expected to announce today at the Pentagon that it will send those as a part of an $800 million uh, package of war help to Ukraine. Many people think that cluster bombs should be outlawed. These are bombs that go down, they explode in the sky, they put stuff out, and then they bomb even more places in smaller little clusters, if right. you will. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, a lot of people believe this should be an illegal practice. Because of the potential harm to civilians? Exactly. And so what's your take on uh, the United States potentially giving, not potentially, apparently they're going to announce it today, that we're going to give cluster bombs to Ukraine? Well, I mean, they're going to, they because they're bombing in their own country, I think they're going to be careful in how they use it. You know what I mean? It's not like they're going to be bombing into another country where it would be an issue. So I think they will be measured in their use of them. And look, I'm all for, I'm all for providing the armaments for a nation who's defending itself, a democratic nation who's defending itself against authoritarianism. Much, I would much rather see us providing support than us providing troops well, on the ground. And we are providing support. We've spent billions yeah. and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars helping Ukraine. Yeah. You mentioned that uh, Vladimir Putin sees it as a direct threat to his border if Ukraine becomes a part of NATO. Could simply adding NATO, Ukraine to NATO say to Vladimir Putin, guess what, this war is over with, otherwise you're fighting with the rest of us. Because right now we continue to fight this proxy war. Many of your people on your side of the aisle don't like the fact that we're helping Ukraine uh, go after Russia. But wouldn't that be maybe one of the strongest voices to tell uh, Vladimir Putin this is no longer just a war against Ukraine? Well, I think the I think the concern there, and I think it's a proper concern, is that if we if we grant membership to NATO, then does that not obligate us under Article Five of the of the NATO Charter to to send troops in? And I think that is probably the big sticking point at this at this time with membership in NATO is. The way that President Biden has handled uh, the Ukraine invasion uh, by Russia, uniting the world, utilizing NATO, is that an attribute that he can use in the upcoming election as a positive? Yeah, maybe. But foreign policy, especially when our, we're not directly involved with troops on the ground, foreign policy is rarely a voting issue in, in presidential elections. can be. But, I mean, you got to go back to Vietnam and uh, those times. But uh, it is now, you know, I could I could quibble with Biden. I think he was a little late to the dance with some stuff. But uh, as far as his involvement of NATO, I, I think you got to give him a very good score for that. I, you know, I think he's done a fine job in that regard. Um, presidential cycle coming up. President of the United States on the ballot may face Donald Trump. Uh, there is a growing caucus inside the Republican Party who doesn't think we ought to be funding Ukraine right? Uh, and doesn't think that, from many instances, that Russia is the bad actor. Does that make you nervous if the Republicans take over the United States Senate along with the House that they may wind up defunding this war? Well, I think that the congressional leaders are pretty—I mean, there's some voices, obviously, that would like to see us not be engaged at all in Ukraine. But uh, I think the, the majority of the Republicans in Congress support defending democracy against this, uh, what is a brutal, brutal regime in Russia and Vladimir Putin, who I think has been weakened uh, with the events of Amen. the last couple of weeks. So when we step aside now, we got a little news at the bottom of the hour, Michael. We're going to come back, and uh, what are we going to do? Something that's going extinct. We do it in our daily lives. Going extinction. That's next on KMOX. What defines us is who we are as a collective group and, and uh, how we progress and gain momentum through the season. The Coach's Corner with St. Louis City Coach Bradley Carnell. Mondays at 9.35 on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
Griffith. That's old uh, Morgan Walnut guy. Morgan, Morgan Wallen, apparently, this is. 100,000 of you packing into downtown over the last two days or to last night and tonight to see Morgan Wallen. Hope you have a good time. Be careful. Be kind to the city of St. Louis. We're grateful to have you down here, even though we don't know who your guy is. Yeah. Yeah, we're out of touch. But we are, we've all learned something today. Yeah, we've we have. all learned about this new phenom sweeping the musical world, taking it by storm, uh, the great uh, country singer Morgan, Morgan Wallen. Wilson. Yeah, and Taylor Swift on the other side of the state, uh, kind of the... Uh, symptomatic of the way things are going. Her. Yeah, I've heard it. Kind of symptomatic of the way things are going right now in the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Hey, John, my mother uh, yeah. is the best at this. Okay. Uh, if 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 cooking, I, she sneezes and I say God bless you. Yeah. She writes me a thank you note. Oh. And so that's been installed in 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 the Kelly kids since we were little. We we write notes, and you've gotten a note. Or two I have from gotten me. a note or two when I've done something. And nice. so there, the note comes, and Twice it's, in 20 you know, years. it's it written out in cursive, and you read it, and yeah. it's a very nice touch. Yeah. I uh, wrote a, th- a thank you note to a young person. Uh, this person's twenty years old. Okay. Got that thank you note in the mail. That person, I later found out, had to go to their mother to say, can you please read this for me? Your handwriting's that bad. And I said, is my handwriting that bad? And that person that wound up reading it said, no, they don't teach cursive in school anymore. You don't say. And so most of the kids can't read cursive writing. And they, wow, and they can't write cursive. So listen to this. In 2010, the U.S. government officially removed cursive writing from the required common core standards for K through 12. Now, here's my question. What are we doing? How are you going to write your name? Is everybody going to walk around and print their names and, you know, print? I mean, how do you sign your name if you don't know how to do cursive writing? How do you communicate well, if you don't know how to do And shouldn't cursive writing be a part of what we're teaching in our schools? I think so because it, you got to have your little loopy J's, you know? Yeah. I I don't like to talk, Michael. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I make some of the best looking Jays you've ever seen. Well, does your John Hancock look anything like the famous John Hancock? It has certain certain similarities, right? Uh, but I I don't try and replicate it like with the little whoosh circle H right. on the bottom. Yeah. Because that would be uh, yeah that would be uh, silly. A little passe. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. not cool. But at the same time, you know, you have other people who's right there. Like Donald Trump. Have you ever seen his signature? It yeah, looks like all... a heartbeat right. monitor. Yeah. You know, you can't tell that it's Donald Trump. But I, it just makes me wonder, like, how people are going to survive if we're not having cursive writing. It I just think seems we to need me that it should writing. be in, in schools. I am pro cursive writing. My kids learned cursive writing. Yeah, in, in school, I learned cursive writing. Oh man, it was miserable. I hated it, and it didn't make any sense. But once you got it, you, you know, you're never going back to print. Well, the but nice the fact that this it. person, a 20 year old, got a note written in cursive writing and had to take it to their parent to say, "Can you please read this to me?" I don't know, man. That that ain't good. No, that's un-American. Un-American. Which is why... Oh, here we go, folks. <clears throat> which is why we need more choice in education for It has people. nothing to do with choice. This has been... This, I, I guarantee you that this was some brilliant idea that came from a bunch of legislators as it related to cursive writing that said we should take it out. Because, you know, they don't want anything to really be in the Common Core, uh, maybe other than the Ten Commandments. Uh, so, you know, what, what, what why, well, because we've, we're ruining education by trying to legislate it and saying that you shouldn't be learning cursive writing, but you know, come on, why, why wouldn't you be learning cursive if writing? If there was only one grocery store you could shop 
It has to be the grocery store that's in your neighborhood, and that's the only place you can go shop. Schnucks. Uh, do you think the quality of groceries would improve in that basis? No. What makes grocery stores improve is competition. Competition is what makes, that's why you have multiple car dealers. That's why you have multiple bedding manufacturers. Some well, then why don't like we have the, multiple militaries? Then, uh, why don't we have multiple militaries? Why don't we have multiple highways? We have multiple military uh, no, companies. No, 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 no. Well, provide... You're making the argument that, that everything should be open to the free market. There's some things we do for the societal good sure, of all of us. grant you that. The and military... providing public education is something that we chose to do as a society in the United States. Fine. But... And so if you're going to use this template as a, a rationale to get into the public dollars of schools, how come we're not doing it with the military? How come we're not doing it with because the, military, the roads? How come we're not doing it with the airports? Because the military would not be effective if it were decentralized, right? It wouldn't. You need a command and control operation to run a military. I am suggesting that in this country, people who have the means and choose to do it can send their children to any school they want. Right. It costs money. But they also you, still have to pay for the public school they that, they, that their children live in, even if they send them to a private. They do. But for people who do not have those means that are that are consigned to a school district that may be underperforming or may not be meeting that particular child's needs for whatever reason, those parents have no recourse. Uh, I mean, in, increasingly throughout the country... States are going to school choice models. We had a bill in Missouri this year that would have allowed open enrollment so you could send your kid to any public school as long as the public school is willing to take them. Uh, so it's kind of a fake argument because everybody in St. Louis would want to send their kids to the Clayton or Ladue schools because well, it's the number room. one school. Exactly. So what you're doing is putting up a false flag and saying, oh, we're going to say say this so that you can go out and choose it. But no. guess what's going to happen to that kid in the Normandy district? He's going to still be stuck in the Normandy district. So why don't we make the Normandy district work or the Hazelwood right. district or the Orchard Farm district? I why don't we you, make the school districts work? Here's what makes the school districts work. If they know they're going to bleed students because they're not doing the job, that's going to cost them money. Competition works both ways. It's good for the consumer. It's also good for the schools. They, if they have to compete for those students, then then they're going to improve or they're going to go out of business and that's the way that that's yeah, the way the that's, market that's works that's not the that that is not the model that we adopted in this country we right. ensure and that, that everybody is going work. to get certain standards of education it does for mostly the the main you, reason it's not working is because of these kind of foolish exercises where seen, we're taking money away from these school districts have you seen we're not taking money we're throwing so much money into public schools in the state it, it, have you seen the test scores that have just come out? Yeah, but I it's mean, not specific to just the St. Louis area. I mean, it's in school districts, even the good school districts across the state. Proficiency's going down. Right. And that's a that's a concern, obviously. And my point is, and we do have, there is one option that parents do have in Missouri now, and that is they can choose to educate their children virtually oh online. And uh, it's not for everybody. But let's say you're in a failing school district. You can't afford to put your kid in a private school. Through the public school, you can opt to virtually educate your child. And it has a lot of benefits to it because the parent can see what's being taught uh, online. It's a, there, are, there are options in different kind of virtual schools and, and academies that you can choose. And for some students, it has been a tremendous benefit for them. So that is one option that Missouri. But this is just have. a redistribution of school dollars in the urban areas. Because if you live in Crystal City, Missouri, which is in the middle of the state, there's nobody there, but there's a school district, and you don't want to be at that school district, you don't have a choice. 
You're staying where you're at. This is this is being sculpted so that folks in the urban areas can siphon money away from public schools. What we ought to be doing is spending our time as legislators, rather than coming up with these quirky ways to get your hands into public dollars, to make the public dollars work and make the school districts work so that all of our kids succeed, John. Sure, we should want to provide the best education we possibly can for the children of this state. And my point is that injecting competition into that equation is going to improve the quality so, of schools. I, my parents chose to send me to a Catholic school. Yep. Under your idea, if I was not to go to the public school there, my dollars that were going to the public school would follow me to that Catholic school? Not your property tax dollars. The property tax dollars are primarily what fund local school districts. But I do think, yeah, there is some value that the state money and there's Billion, a couple of three billion dollars of state money that go to public schools, and and a lot, uh, some of that allocated on a per pupil basis. That dollar ought to follow the student. Yes. Okay. So now a young student who happens to want to attend a Muslim school, sure, a Muslim, you and the Missouri legislature are okay with public dollars going to public uh, to school schools that are, you know, teaching Muslim. Uh, religious yeah, thought. If that's if that's I, what the I parent, have a hard time believing that those people in Jefferson City will ever live with. Well, that. if you are a true school choice advocate, that, you want to empower the parent. That's what this is all about: empowering the parent to make the decisions that's best for their child. And you know, some of that public money should follow the children. I, I just think because that is what competition is, and school districts, if they realize that this is costing that being providing poor education is costing them money. Perhaps they'll do something about it. He's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly. We got one more segment by ourselves, and then we're running over to Ballpark Village to join Amy and Chris. Stick around. Hancock and Kelly rolls on right here on KMOX. KMOX, the 2023 Large Market Radio Station of the Year, recognized by the Missouri Broadcasters Association. KMOX, we were built for this. You know, we could we could uh, be doing shows during the commercial. We could. We were talking school choice there. That one kept on going. It did. But because we don't disagree on that many things anymore, but you're just painfully wrong about this. No, you're wrong. I mean, you're you're wrong because the kids who are left in the school districts where the money's going to get bled out, who may not have the infrastructure, the family infrastructure that you're saying entitles a parent to really help mm-hmm. their kid finds himself in an even more dire spot, a school that's even harder failing, less money. And then the answer to that kid is, hey, pull yourself up from your bootstrap. I did. Give me a break. So you are ignoring the power of the marketplace. I believe fundamentally that those schools will improve when they're faced with competition. Right now, they can can do whatever they want, and they know that those kids that live in there are going to go to that school. uh, If they they were forced to compete – the quality, the overall quality of education for everybody would would increase, is my opinion. And I think I'm right about that. And I think you're wrong. All right. So um, I wasn't with you uh, this past weekend. Well, folks, Michael Kelly. Yeah. Occasionally, every once in a while, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, gets out of town. I did. And uh, I would say on average, 
probably what's a month? Thirty days, sometimes yeah. thirty-one, except for February. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd say there's probably a good five, six days every month uh, that Michael's not here. Yeah, I try to find my way out of town occasionally. Traveling's good for you, man. It is? Being exposed to other parts yeah. and other cultures, other uh-huh. people. Other cultures. Yeah, you get to see stuff that you typically uh, don't see in your normal life. Uh-huh. And when you travel, you become less regimented about how other people ought to behave. Because at the end of the day, you realize it doesn't matter if you live in Colorado or oh, you were in Colorado. Uh, I, I was in Colorado mm-hmm. or Mexico or France. At the end of the day, we're all humans trying to get by in the world. And travel oh. will teach you that. That's I could be a Morgan, well, what's his name? Wallen song. song. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Morgan Wallen song. Yeah, I went to Colorado. I went and saw the Grateful Dead. They're you on did. their uh, final tour. They play tonight, two nights at the Gorge, which is a beautiful place up. I think it's Washington State. Uh, they play two nights there, and then they go for three nights to San Francisco, and it's all over with. It's all over. 50-something no plus years, the Grateful Dead, it's coming to an end. Huh. Well, that's a sad thing. But I had a cool experience. What? So on Monday evening of this past Monday, yeah. which would have been July 3rd, yes, I was in Boulder, Colorado. Boulder. I was at the football stadium there that Neon Dion's the, the uh-huh. coach at. Uh-huh. Prime time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Grateful Dead with John Mayer was playing. John Mayer and the Grateful Dead, they call it Dead and Company, played. Uh, it was their third and final night. I went to the two previous nights uh-huh. as well. And at the very end of this concert, the last 45 minutes was really spectacular. Uh, first, they brought out Dave Matthews. Wow. And he wound up singing with them for four songs. And then they did the coolest thing ever. They had a drone show over the stage. A drone show. You know what drones are? In you a know, little airplane. Yeah. And it, it was all, essentially like a fireworks display. And it yeah. was the steal your face and the dancing bear, all the the Grateful Dead things you wouldn't understand. Yeah, it, I don't. The, the, like yeah. Morgan Wallen, we, I don't understand it. You won't understand the Grateful Dead. Yeah, the, the steal your face. The steal your face. That's the logo, the the skull logo oh, of, the, right. uh, of the Grateful Dead. Hey. And then the dancing bears that you see, and etc. I'll show you some videos dancing here. Dancing bears, a bit. but it was so cool, John. It was so cool to see this, and what a beautiful town, Denver Boulder. slash Boulder. Yeah, is. Now yeah. Boulder, it's the ritzy part of Colorado. Right. Let's be clear, it's and nobody in there, you know, needing help paying for anything. But it's a part. It's twenty minutes outside of Denver, and just what a spectacular place. Uh, that 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 Denver and 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 in particular Boulder was, and you know I I love St. Louis. I don't want to be anywhere else. I really don't. Well, apparently but, you do. But when I travel, well, I want to travel. I want to see it. But this is the place I want to yeah, live. All right. But when I come back, I I do get a little bit of travel depression. Travel depression. Yeah, you know, first you know you get welcomed by our ridiculous airport. Then you get in the car, and, you know, it looks like we've decided that the trash dumps should be on the side of the highways. Well, you're bumping along down the roads, are you? Right. The The roads are better in Afghanistan than they are in the state of Missouri, <laughs> um, and in particular the St. Louis area. Have you and, been to Afghanistan? And you just see some of the nice things that, that, that are happening in other places, and it gives me travel depression. And so it lasts for a day or two. Where I just think, goodness, couldn't it be great if we could do this in St. Louis? And I don't know. The more I travel and the more I come back and continue to see things deteriorate, I just I just hope that we all could travel a little bit to see what we're missing out on. I mean, hmm. if you go down to Nashville. Oh, Nashville's or, Which I've been to recently. Yeah, Indianapolis, which I've been to recently. <laughs> I want to go down to Little Rock. Yeah. Uh, I want to see the uh, Clinton Library. Oh, my. I mean, just you, you go to some of these communities and you think, man, we've got all the nuts and bolts. 
The nuts I mean, we've and got, the bolts. We got we've both got of them. world class cultural institutions in Forest Park. Yeah. We have the most beautiful piece of public art in the country at our front door. The Sarah sculpture. Uh, no, John, no. The, the arch. Oh, the arch, yes. We've got, you know, the confluence of these great rivers, mm. and we've got dysfunction. And the more you travel, the more you realize how dysfunctional the area is, and it just is depressing. Well, Michael Kelly's travel, anxiety, travel depression yes. is, uh, is a thing. We've been counseling with him here. Let me suggest that uh, the best cure for travel quit depression traveling? is to quit traveling. Yes, That I, ain't happening. I never get travel depression. Well, Chris and Amy are coming up, and we're going to be with them as long as the car will get us there. That's next on Camo X.